0: This series is going back to the basics. It's really just, uh, for me, going back to first principles, why I believe what I believe, and that has fired me up. And if it hasn't fired you up, uh, you haven't probably listened to every one of them online. So, scriptures, which is not there, unfortunately, we had a little mishap, um, but we'll go back and we'll preach it to an empty room. We've talked about that. Uh, But we did the scriptures, what we believe about the Bible. We've done uh, creation. The fact that, you know, my declarations are that the earth was created in six days. If you don't believe that, uh, go back and listen to it. And, and I challenge you to come challenge me. That's what this is all about. Uh, iron sharpeneth iron, right? So the point is, is we really want you to dig in a- around these topics. Uh, really, our core beliefs. If you go on our website, there are core beliefs. Uh, and last week, I combined Satan and the fall. So we talked about Satan and uh, the false. So we're coming out of creation, and then obviously creation, after it was created perfect in original intent, there was something that happened that made it not so perfect, and that's what we experience every day. Can someone testify to the fact that we're not perfect anymore? Right. That, that we have struggles, that we have issues, we got trials, tribulations. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's a statement I get asked a lot, Right. Anybody ever wonder that? Why do bad things happen to good people? I get that, asked, I get that question all the time. Uh, go back and listen to last week's message. That explains it. Uh, really, what it says is, I would counter to that question and say, is there such a thing as a good person? That's what I would counter with. Uh, bad things don't happen to good people because we're all flawed. We all have sin. We have bad things that happen to us because we are bad people. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a bad person. I totally understand where you're coming from. Comparatively, when when you compare levels of sin, it's easy to compare out. It's easy to say, my sin looks less than their sin. It's really easy to say, I'm not sitting in a jail cell, so therefore my sin is less than their sin. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that we're all sinners and that we've all fallen short. So no matter if you tell a little white lie, or if you tell a lie that's so big it frauds on your taxes and you go to prison, a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. True? It's still a lie. So regardless of the watch this. I didn't say all sin has the same consequence. I did not say that. Because I believe some should bear the consequences of their sin and their mistakes. And those consequences, according to law, according to human nature, are greater than. I believe there are special places in hell reserved for certain people that want to do things to little children. Just saying. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus said that. It's better for a millstone to be hung around their neck than to do this to one of the least of these, right? Even Jesus felt that way. So the way I feel is scriptural. But it doesn't change the fact that a sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. What's a sin? (laughs) It's a sin. Got it? Uh, get it? Got it? Good. All right. So the point is, is that we sin. So therefore, if you feel like you're a good person, don't lie to yourself. Don't let yourself tell you how good or how good you are or aren't. Let the Bible tell you how good you are or you aren't. And the Bible says that you're a sinner and that you have fallen from being perfect. If you're not perfect, if you don't do every little thing right, and if you say, I'm perfect and I do every little thing right, I would say that's your take on your life. And that there are others that would look at your life and say, I think you missed one or two things, right? Uh, So that's number one, common sense. And number two, it's scripture. So if you're struggling with this idea of original sin, we dealt with that last week. I don't have time to go into the whole thing. I really want to. I want to re-preach the message right now. (laughs) But I'm not going to. I'm going to refrain. So you need to go back and listen to that message because it really tees up my message for today. It really tees up the fact that today I'm going to talk about salvation, a core doctrine, Uh, A core belief, and if you have never experienced salvation, I'm going to give you a chance at the end to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, I think I need to wait for that. I think I need to have the stars aligned for that. I think you can think whatever you want, but the Bible says that whenever you reach a point where you think that you need a Savior, that it's time for you to be saved. right? So if at the end of this service you think to yourself, man, I really feel like I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior in my life, then it's very simple, and you'll see that. You just need to ask him, right? Uh, so, and we're going to cover that in detail. But my point is, is that last week I really built the case that we are fallen. And that there's a reason why we are Adam chose. It was Adam's free will. It's hard for me to say that because I have a, a unique approach to free will. But it's Adam's free will in his decision to choose to sin, not Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam chose. Adam chose his path. Adam said, I am going to accept imperfection. And and he, based on his relationship with Jesus, knew that Jesus would make a way knew that Jesus would be the second Adam, the second man to do what he could not do. And First Timothy explains that. So I need you to go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it already because I really want to preach it again. And if I don't move on right now, I'm going to do it. Okay, salvation. Here comes my declaration. The style, the stylistic approach to these messages are my why, my how, and my what. I'm giving a declaration of what I believe about this topic. I'm going to bring you the connection of how it makes sense for us and then I'm going to give you the what? The application so you can walk away feeling different. Uh, that's the whole goal, right? Now, if you're listening to this podcast, is my time for an intermission Well, I will sip this delicious Cooper coffee? Shameless plug. Thank you, Coopers, for serving every week in your coffee ministry. All right, salvation. Here's my declaration. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? I asked, are you ready? Yeah. Come on, y'all. Wake up. It's Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Rain. Anyway, uh, here's the declaration. We believe that salvation is a gift of God brought to man by grace. This is so loaded. And received by personal faith. Here's the disclaimer. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's blood was shed on Calvary for the forgiveness of our sins. And that in order to be saved, sinners must be born again. That the new birth is a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that it is instantaneous and not a process. That's a loaded statement. That is a declaration, Terry, of what I believe it takes for somebody to be saved. Now, here's the the thing. The problem is, there's a lot of religions, I'm going to use that word religions out there, that don't believe that. They're going to try to convince you that we're all the what? We're all the same. Everybody's the same. But I'm here to tell you that we're not. What? You're drawing the line? I sure am. That's what a declaration is. I declare that this is where I'm standing. And I'm clearly standing on this side of the line, and you're clearly standing on that side. So my goal, and remember, these these research lessons, the first part of my sermon is more like we're going to school. Are you okay with that? I'm going to teach. I'm going to learn you something. You know what I'm saying? You're going to learn today. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, you're going to learn. Why? Because we are flaky. We've established that already as Christians. We're flaky. Sure. I believe that. That sounds great. I like the way that sounds. It rhymes. It's alliterated. That's per- it must be right. <laughs> must be right. I'm in. Uh, we can't do that. We can't make course changing decisions because who you are today is who you will be in 20 years. Who you hang around today is who you will be in 20 years. Do you understand the decisions you're making are affecting your children? For you to make this blanket statement and say, hey, we're all the same, you're going to wake up in some cult somewhere. It happened to me. <laughs> True story. Uh, that's the point. <laughs> You're going to find yourself in a position where you are like, oh my goodness, is this really who I am? Yeah, because you made a decision to be there. So it's time we stop choosing the wrong thing. And we decide to go to the Bible and say, hey, if I believe the Bible is the in-error word of God and it's inspired for in all matters of faith and practice, if you believe it, then why don't we get to know the Bible? Why don't we find out what the Bible says? I learned something when I went back to this. And I listen, I'm not trying to be like, you know, whatever. But I've been giving the plan of salvation since I was five. I led my first soul to Christ when I was six years old in kindergarten. What? I was literally a bit. I'm like, let me tell you something. You're a sinner. Here's the wordless book. I mean, I have literally been telling people and sharing my faith since I was five and six years old. My mom had me out four years old knocking doors. I've been doing this my entire life. I don't know how many people I have led in the sinner's prayer. I don't. I have no idea. No clue. But I'll I'll honestly say it this way. My approach today is different. I've learned some things through that. And my approach is this. It really is a lifestyle. It really is. My goal today is not to get you to pray a prayer. My goal today is to get you to change your life. And so it is a decision. It is a prayer. It is a moment in time. And we'll see that. That that thing shifts. That thing changes. Uh, but it's so much more about the life decision that you're making to change the way you're going to approach uh, Jesus and God that really makes all the difference in the world. But I, I think that today I'm going to give you a, 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 an illustration. I'm going to give you a way that you can look at salvation that I believe is really going to make so much sense to you because uh, it made a lot of sense to me. So that's my declaration. We believe that salvation is a gift from God brought to a man, brought to man slash woman, Brought to woman slash man. I I don't care. You can put one in front of the other. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not like that. By grace and received by personal faith. And here's where the difference is between us and other religions. In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. If you weren't here for my teaching on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, much of today is going to be a Trinitarian view because salvation comes to us through God and it is a God of three parts. And I think that that's going to make total sense to you today. So we have to understand that when it pertains to our salvation, it's through who? Help me, church. It's through Jesus. Simply what? Simply Jesus. That's our, that's our catch line here. That's our brand. That's who we are. Simply Jesus. So when it comes to our salvation, it's through who? Come on, church. Through who? Okay, so now that you know that, go to John 11. John 11, take your Bibles, turn to John 11, take your phones, touch over to John 11. All right? That's cool. What do I do with my coffee? John 111. Alright, you all ready to buckle up? I'm about to go to school. John 11. Y'all there? Here it comes. He came unto his, what does it say? Own. own. He came unto his own, and his own received him what? Yeah. So here's heaven. Here's Jesus. We'll put a cloud. That's a terrible cloud. Oh my goodness. I hope that you can look past my uh, fantastic artwork, okay? Let's see if I can. Kristen, can you come up here and do just... this? <laughs> there we go. Heaven. That's heaven, okay? So, Jesus, so God was in heaven. Let's see, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit, okay? They were up here chilling in heaven. He, who's that? Jesus, came unto his own. Here's the globe, all the little. That's earth, okay? He came into his own. Watch this, that's the Jews. Who were his own people? The Jews. Jesus came to the Jews. He came into his... That's what the Bible means. And his what? Received him what? The Jews did not receive him. What did they do to him? Huh? They crucified him. Alright? So, they did not receive him. Look at the next verse. But as many as... Come on. But as many as received him... To them gave He power to become, say it church, the of God. Good. Even to them that believe on His name. So He came into His own. That was the vehicle. The vehicle that Jesus came to earth was Israel and the Jewish people. And those people did not receive Him. But as many as. There were some Jews that did. And then we know that there were some Gentiles that did. But as many as received Him to them. There's them. (laughs) To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Okay? Even to them that believe. So the sons, watch this, of, if you're a son, then you have a what? Who would then be our brother? Whoa. We're starting to what? Connect the dots. Jesus is my father. No. No. In the salvation picture, He came into His own. He was born second Adam. Therefore, Jesus is now in salvation, our brother. Reconciling us back to the who? This is salvation. This is the mechanics of how it works. He came into His own. His own received Him not. You know a story? Joseph? His own received Him not? You see the picture throughout History, how your own will receive you not. He came and he was a prophet in his own town, and they what? Didn't receive him. Making sense? But as many as received him. That's the condition. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's salvation. Even to them that believe on his name. How does this work? Take your Bibles, go to Ephesians 1.11. What I'm about to explain to you is next level theology. It is a little deep. I want you to think. I really do. I don't want you to check out I don't want you to go, this is way over my head. I want you to understand this. I want it to sink in. I want you to go, wow, that's an aha moment for me, if it is. And I want you to to, to really just receive this word from the Bible. Go to Ephesians 1.11. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm sorry, Ephesians one one. we We're going to get to 1.11. Ephesians 1.1, starting at the top. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to give you... I'm going to highlight the phrases in this passage that if I were you, I would highlight in the text. I would draw your attention to what really makes sense and what matters. Um, are you okay? I'm taking you to school. Are you alright? You good, church? Alright. Here comes your salvation experience. How does that work? He came into His own. His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. We received Him. He gave us power. Now I'm a son of God. Woo! That sounds really cool. And that's the extent of most people's understanding at it. Believe and receive. Uh, repeat after me. One, two, three. Jesus saved. You. What You know what I mean? Like, that's really where it, where it stops for most people. And here's the problem. Our culture is a question-asking culture. We live in the age of information. It doesn't do good anymore. Standing behind a pulpit, making a blanket statement. Why? Because kids have good. They're going to fact check your tale all day long. And when they Google that stuff and it comes back that you got no clue what you're talking about. And what you're doing is trying to inspire people to feel a certain way. Once the feeling is gone, so is their faith. I'm trying to give you the cornerstone. A sure foundation. I don't, when I'm up here in the moment and I'm screwing up constantly, they're, they're all trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do. Right? I'm like, in. I'm lost. You know, there is a script, which I never follow. And I'm like, in the moment. Why am I in the moment? Why am I ginosko, the Greek word, experiencing Jesus? I'm experiencing it because I know it. I have a full, working, scriptural knowledge of what His blood did for me. Of what the cross means to me. Of what His resurrection empowers me to do. So therefore, when I'm lost in the moment, I'm not lost in, <laughs> I'm not lost in some superficial non reality. I'm lost in an empirical piece of data that says, I am saved. I am a rotten piece of poop. And I've, excuse my vernacular, and I've been planted in the heavenlies. I have a brother named Jesus Christ who gave everything for me. And now, Gabby, oh my goodness, he has saved me gloriously by his grace through faith. I'm connected. Oh my gosh. That's why I'm in it. I'm not in it because there's nothing connected. I'm in it because I'm connected. So therefore, maybe some of you are in it just because other people are in it around you. I can't help but think that. There could be a Judas. Yeah, you're in it for other reasons. (laughs) He had the money bags. Watch out, Brandon. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The point is... (laughs) I love that. The point is, is this. Are you truly connected to the source? That's what this study does. This really connects you to, to the data, to the understanding of what mechanically is happening. Or, watch this, what hasn't happened? Maybe I get through this and you're like, whoa, yo, uh, mm-mm. I'm not a son. I'm going to give you an opportunity. So go to Ephesians 1, verse 1. Oh my goodness, i got to hurry. That was a bad rabbit trail. Paul, an apostle of Who? Paul had, I don't even know if this is the right word, I just keeps coming to mind, empirical, empirical data. Paul had an understanding of the greater picture. Paul wasn't just out there on his own writing letters. Here's a letter. <laughs> Hope this one's an encouragement. Hey church over there, Philippi, you guys rock, here you go. <laughs> no. Paul wasn't just writing letters because he felt like saying hi, okay? This was like sending a text message, okay? That was the, the form of writing a letter is how we text today. Paul wasn't just like, yo, what you doing? It's not the point. Paul comes right out of the gate and says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Whoa. What was Paul? What was Paul? He was the son of God. You following me? Come on. By the will of God. Paul is breaking it down. By the will of who? The Father. Ooh. Apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. you got to watch the exchange between when he says God, is he referring to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Because he's about to do that. Watch it. To the saints which are at Ephesus. To the saints, the believers. And to the faithful in Who? Why does he keep saying in Jesus? Why? That's how we are sons of God. Those that are in the Father, he doesn't say that. He has an understanding of how salvation works. Watch it, verse 2. Grace be unto you. Such an important word. I'm going to use this word, favor. How many know what favor means? Favor (laughs) unto you. Favor, continual favor. I love that word favor. Grace, favor be, be to you and peace from God. What is it? Our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what he's doing? He's doing it again. He's at it again. Uh, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? Woohoo, heaven. In who? Christ. He's delineating. He's explaining to you how this thing works. How does my salvation work? Well, I just trusted God, and I'm going to heaven. Paul, he's breaking it down. It's more than that. According as he, I'm going to put in parentheses here, the Father, hath chosen us in him, I put in parentheses, Jesus, before the foundations of the world, by the will of God, you see that? By the will of God, verse 1, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Verse 4 says, before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him, the Father, in love. Verse 5, this gets crazy. Look at it. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Help me, church, what's this say? John 11, what's it say? The what? He predestined us according to the adoption of children. He came into His own. His own received Him what? But as many as, come on, received Him, to them gave He power to become the what? I'm I'm trying to learn you, church. Stay with me. Going to school. Having predestined us under the adoption of children, the sons of God, by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. In parentheses, I put the Father. So this happened in heaven. I told you the greatest love story of all time last week. Go listen to the message. When Adam fell, there was a plan. There was a will of God that he would redeem us back to himself. We are children of wrath. And now we have an opportunity to become children of the light. Got it? He came in his own, his own received him not. But as many as, they're sons of God. Paul is experiencing this and he is telling us that this took place years and years and years ago. It took place in eternity. Look at the next verse. Stay with me, church. In whom, are we at verse 7? No. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That's another way of saying he hath made us sons of God. Right? You feeling it? The worship of His favor, Jesus, is making us acceptable. Why? Verse 7, in whom we have redemption. Who is the in whom? In Jesus Christ. He has said it over and over. In whom, Jesus, we have redemption. Why? Say it, church. Through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to, watch this phrase. This is where I'm going to give you an illustration that I think is going to make some sense. According to the riches of His grace. So now we have heaven has money. You got that? There's money up in heaven. Now what does He say? The riches of His what? Grace. Ooh. What does grace mean? Favor. Favor. Getting something you don't receive, right? So grace means he's showing us favor. So Paul starts this transition in the text. And he says, I want you to start looking at favor as money. I want you to start looking at the goodness that God gives you. Because how many know something? If there's anything we understand as human beings, it's what? Money. Come on, church. Stay with me. If there's anything we understand, it's what? Hey, give me the keys to your kingdom. Can I have your bank account numbers? Come on, I promise, I promise I won't do anything. <laughs> You'd be like, no. Why won't you give me the keys to, and, and I, some of you probably would. I, I would be trustworthy with it. But the point is, is we just don't do that. We don't walk down Dundalk Avenue and say, here you go. Here's my account numbers. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> we don't do that. Why do we not do that? Because that's ours, and theirs is theirs. So God said, in heaven, there are riches of grace. I have favor. I have, I have something in heaven that is mine, not yours. You chose to leave it. You chose to sin. So therefore, God holds all the cards, and that's in heaven. So Paul wants you to see it as riches in heaven. Just follow me. Keep going. Verse number 8 wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and imprudence. So then he makes another transition, and he says this is something that is such a game changer. Having made known, verse 9, unto us the mystery of his will. Oh, it was a mystery. I would venture to say that if you read the Old Testament and everything the Jews went through, would you call that a mystery? (laughs) That was some strange stuff, okay? But he made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Why does it say in himself? That is the mystery of the Trinity. These three are one. He purposed, follow me, church, in himself, in the community of the Godhead, that one would buy back through his blood, verse number seven. Look at it, verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in who? Christ. So, follow me here. When the time comes, the dispensation means the time. When the time arrives, Jesus is going to put it all in one pot. It's all going to come to fruition. In Jesus. This plan of sending His Son... He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as the sons of God, this, they're all going to be gathered into one place. And this is all going to come to fruition through one person who? Our brother, what's his name? Jesus, the precious cornerstone. Look at verse number 11. Here here it is. In whom also we have obtained a, a what? Inheritance. Hey, church, what's that mean to you? There's an inheritance. There's some, there's some cash duckies up there, right? There's an inheritance. In whom, who's the whom? Say it. In Jesus. When our brother, Jesus, saved us, in him, we have an inheritance. It's going to make sense. Stay with me. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, after watch it, the counsel of his own will. Whose will? The will of the Father. The will of the Father. Verse 1. Verse 12, that we should praise, that we that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first what? Trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that, here's what you should circle: ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, today's topic, in whom also that ye have, what's the word? Believed. Ye were, what's the next word? Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Who's the third guy who just came up? There he is. He's the promise. Verse 14, look at it. Which is the earnest? Is that a financial term? You ever bought a house? What do you have to put down when you want to make an offer? Huh? Before, that, before even that, a part of that transaction is earnest money. Anybody ever heard of earnest money? What's the earnest money do? It says, I have an intention of what? Purchasing this house. now, Look, church, Paul is is trying to tell us something about your salvation. He's he's trying to give you clues to understand this. Paul says, which is the earnest, what? That the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our what? Inheritance. Under the redemption of the purchased possession. He just went out there, it's, it's money. The purchased possession unto the what? Glory of his, under the praise of his glory. The whole point here is that God the Father would have glory, would have praise, and he has crafted before the foundations of the world this story, this situation, uh, that's going to give him glory and that's going to give him praise. And, And it's up to us to understand it. Here's three things to understand this. The first thing is he planned the workaround. If you're a sinner, you deserve what? Hell. And we'll talk about that. In, a, in another week, but the point is, is we have sin. We have a debt. Do you understand? We have a sin debt that has been applied to your account. You are sitting there in spiritual debt. You were created in original intent, perfect. When Adam chose to sin, there's a spiritual debt that is over your head. It is so much money—money money that you cannot come up with, money that you don't do not donut, huh? money that you do not have. What's in heaven? The kind of money that you need. You're in spiritual. What does my salvation mean? It starts here. You're in spiritual debt. And God the Father is Dave Ramsey looking at you going, all right, let's take baby steps and get this where it needs to be, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying, church? You are in spiritual bankruptcy. Paul is saying, I'm about to, I'm going to learn you something today. I'm going to take you to school. I'm going to use money to explain your salvation. Church, there was a plan. The will of the Father before this ever even got started. And He said, I want to buy back all those people down there on planet earth that are in debt up to their spiritual eyeballs. The Bible says that they are dark, that they cannot see. Their eyes have been clouded with sin. And until that spiritual debt has been paid for, it will not be removed. And God said, wait, go to the bank account of favor. Go to the bank account in heaven where there's more money up here than we know what to do. And that inheritance that would have been theirs from the beginning, we're going to put that into play. You see, Jesus would have stayed in heaven for all eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit would have never moved from their original home. He would have never come to earth in that situation to die on the cross. But because he died, God said, I've got the money. I've got the favor. It's in my court. The ball is in the court. He purposed from the foundations of the world. Do you understand, church? He had a will. His will was that his son Jesus would come back and pay the payment, the sin debt with his blood. Oh my goodness. If you think about working a job 40 hours a week, what you're giving is time. You are literally working your life away because if you're working 40 hours a week, you're literally giving 40 hours of your what? Life. You can boil every dollar and cents down to a life, down to a minute. If you look at McDonald's, what are you worth to them? $15 an hour. But what really are you worth 40 hours a week? Jesus gave His entire life sum, His entire inheritance for you. You're in spiritual debt. So they planned the workaround. The Father's will was, original sin is not out of God's control. Somebody say amen. There is original sin. There is a spiritual debt, but I know somebody who's got the money to pay for it. Come on. How many are glad you have a rich God? Come on. If you can't get excited about this, what in the world? Son, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw that Miss Charlotte. Man, you can, man. Come on. Number two, he earned the glory and praise of the inheritance. Who earned the glory and praise? Who was the inheritance? Jesus the Son. The Father planned the workaround. The Son, (laughs) since it has already been paid for, there is no way for us to earn it. Church, all these people out there trying to tell you that you got to do good to go to heaven. Somebody doesn't see that they're in spiritual darkness. you got to do all these things to earn it. Um, You were already spiritually bankrupt. That's like coming and saying, hey, Pastor Matt, can you carry my note on my house? Um, It's $10 million. (laughs) I would be like, you know, I wish I got it like that. You know what I'm saying? But I don't. I couldn't pay that debt. That's somebody saying, yeah, I can work my way to get to heaven. I'm really good at what I do. I'm so good. I feel so good when I help those little old ladies across the the road. And and God's up in heaven going, you fool. Don't you know what you put your brother Jesus through? He gave up everything to pay your sin debt, and you're going to act like you got money in the bank? Are we understanding? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Go ahead and act like you can work your way to get to heaven. See how that works out for you. I can remember as a youngster getting that first paycheck in my hand. Ten years old, seven dollars a day. Going, hmm, I work, I make money. That's a transaction. You don't work in this Christian life and get paid anything. You're too far in debt. It doesn't work that way. How does it work? (laughs) you got to let somebody who has the money pay the debt off. How does this work? Mechanically speaking, the father had a plan. He had a workaround. Jesus earned it, purchased it through his blood. Stay with me, church. Number three, everyone understands this. This is where the light bulb really went off in my mind. This totally makes complete sense. Number three, he puts a deposit down on all his children. Church, the Holy Spirit is the earnest money. He is showing in good faith that the price will be paid. Church, don't miss this. He came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. The Bible says in this text and in Acts that the Holy Spirit of God seals you unto the day of redemption. Look at verse 14 in Ephesians. Which is the earnest of our inheritance? I said it again. If you don't understand this, when you go to buy a house, listen to me, church. You can't walk up in there. I've been working all like two, three weeks. I'm tired, y'all. I've been working, trying to get my house ready to sell. And we just finished it pretty much yesterday, right? Come on, praise Jesus. But that being said, I'm going to sell that house. I'm going to sell my house on Lockwood, okay? Follow me. I'm sitting here. I, listen. I'm sitting here with, with the risk. I own the home. So here I am sitting at the table. If a young couple walks in like we were 10 years ago when we bought the house and says, I want to buy that house. It's really pretty. You've done a lot of work to it. I want to start my family there. I'm going to be like, God bless you. That's so awesome. I, this is a great place to start your family. I'm so excited. to Come here. and give you a big hug. And then I'm going to say, show me the what? Show me the what? Why? Because I'm in a debt, and they need to pay that debt off if they want to own that house. Listen to me. Here's what they're going to put down. They're going to say, here's $1,500 in earnest money, and if the inspection and the appraisal come back, and I can secure a loan, guess what? The rest will be what? Paid. I'm, I'm about to get happy. Jesus looked down, God the Father looked down, and the Holy Spirit looked down, and they saw a world full of chaos, and they said, we got a plan, Jesus, go down there and pay the inheritance, be the ransom, pay the debt, be the person who sets the record straight, Jesus said, I'll go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the inheritance. He paid the money that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That's why you got to believe in Jesus. You can't believe in every other God out there. You can't believe in every God that is an imposter that says He did what Jesus did. And we know He did because the Bible tells us He did it. It was the plan from the beginning of time. So what happened? Here we are, church. Are you still living and breathing? Yes or no? (laughs) Okay, good. Just checking. If you're still living and breathing, then watch. That means Jesus hasn't come back yet to claim his inheritance. Ooh. So here we are. He came into his own, his own 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 received not. But as many as believed him, to them gave he power to become the what? The Bible says that he put down earnest money of the Holy Spirit. Here you are. Here's the illustration. This is Pastor Matt's house, okay? Podcast, I'm drawing a house. Your body is the what? Temple of the what? Holy Spirit. Hey, that's a temple. God in heaven, the Father, looked down and He said, I want to buy that house. I want to buy that. I'm going to claim that. Holy Spirit... Go seal it. This house is worth everything. My son, Jesus. He paid. The money is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. The price, the blood, it's applied. Do you understand? The work has been done. God has done the work. It's amazing. One day he's coming back to claim every house that he bought. And as a sign that he has claimed it, what has been put down for earnest money? The Holy Spirit. God does not walk into the room. Listen to me, church. God does not walk into a deal. Donald Trump thinks he's good at deals. God is way better. The art of the deal should have been depicted from Scripture before the foundations of the world because that deal lasts forever. Listen to me, church. God looks down and he sees you. And he loves you and he wants to save you. And everyone who he saves, his deposit money I want Phyllis. I'm putting a deposit on that. I want Kristen. I'm putting a deposit on that. I want Terry. I'm putting a deposit on that. I'm putting a deposit on Will. Pastor Matt, no, I don't want that. Let that go. (laughs) He sees you where you are in your sin and he puts a deposit down. Chief, when I close the deal, what do I need to come back with? A deposit. If I don't come back with a deposit, they're not serious, are they? They're not serious. They're not prepared. They're not ready. But if you're serious, you have the holy spirit of God. You see this the way this transaction works is God wants you. God wants you. I had this wrong for so many years. Church, stay with me. I'm almost done. I'm I'm sweating bullets. i got to change my shirt. The The way this works is you have to understand who holds the money. Who's the buyer? The Father. He holds the money. He holds the keys to the kingdom. He purchased it, you, with his blood. Now let me ask a question. Why in God's dear name would a world not sell out to God? That is my, the lifelong question. Why would someone in their right mind look at everything in heaven? Favor, riches. We could be brothers. The adoption of sons. Last time I checked. If you go to an orphanage and you're there, you need to be what? Adopted. And if the richest man, kindest man, the man who had everything in the world to give you came, and it was a beautiful family, and they looked at you, the orphan, and said, I want you, I'm here, here's the deposit, whatever I got a sign, I want you because I love you, I'll give it all for you. Why would that orphan not turn and run? Why would that orphan not turn and give that new family a hug and embrace and say, I want to be with you. I want to feel love for the first time. Why in God's dear name would a human being refuse that deal? Why would you not let God put a deposit down on you today? Don't wait! This deal could end tomorrow! Jesus comes back. The Bible says there, I think it's like verse 10, He's claiming it all. All things from all places in the whole entire world will be gathered together. When Jesus comes back for His church, it's over. The deal has been done. Everyone who has earnest money, everyone who God has put a deposit on is His because the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for it. We don't know the day nor the hour. You don't know when God's going to come back to claim what He has put a deposit on. This made so much sense in my mind. I don't know if it's come through today. I hope it has. Here's my point to you. Has God put a deposit down on you? Has He? Do you have the Holy Spirit of God? You know if you have it. It's very simple. Romans 10: "So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. What I just spoke to you is the word of God. If you are feeling faith, it's because you are listening. Number one, hear. How many of you are hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church? I hope so. Open your ears. If you have never experienced salvation, this is is the mechanics of salvation. God in three parts has worked a deal. You're either on the receiving end of the complete inheritance of heaven or you're choosing to receive the deposit and to do life yourself. I don't want to tell you how that's going to end. It's not good. Here, with the spirit, the earnest money... You know, it's. I'm sorry, but if somebody, I love your van so much, babe, but if someone came up and said, hey, I'd like to pay that off, here's some cash, here's 20,000 here's 20, extra for that van of yours, I'd be like, I'm going to see you, bro. I'd be taking that to the bank! You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, yes! I'm going and buying an SUV. I miss her SUV. She's like, uh-uh, no, you ain't. You can do whatever you want, but my car's gonna be a van, because it's easy. Church, why would I refuse that deal? That is the person who is sitting saying, I don't want your earnest money. Take your Holy Spirit, take that deposit and get up on out of here. I'll take my good works. What are you doing? You're driving around old and busted, the new hotness. You're driving around in old and busted. Your sin nature is old and busted. You're trying. Can you see I'm passionate about it? You're trying to do life in an old and busted hooptie. And God said, why don't you drive my new Cadillac on 22s? I'll take it. The Holy Spirit is a game changer. He gave me worth. He shows me my original intent. Every morning, His mercies are new. He instructs me. He tells me I'm loved. And more importantly, He reminds me daily that Jesus is coming again. This is not my home. My God done put a deposit on my tail. And I can't wait till he claims me. Church, John 1, 12. But as many as church received him to them, this is a deal you can refuse. I'm not a five-point Calvinist. If anybody wondered for the podcast, he's fine, he's fine. Church, listen to me. You can, re- you can refuse this deal. I watch people refuse them all the time. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 For if we believe, oh my goodness, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, He came into His own, even so them which are even so them which sleep in Jesus, will God, what? bring with him? Don't ignore. This could be the last chance. God could come back and bring them with him. He could come back and every contract that was written, sealed by the Holy Spirit, could be called tomorrow. could be called tonight, could be called before I leave this building. Has God put a deposit down on you? That's salvation in the clearest, most concise, most modern way that I, could, that I could give it to you. Are you serious about making this deal? That's what I'm going to ask you right now. Don't go to hell for anybody. If you're sitting here and you've acted like you've had a deposit made on you for years and years and years, you're not fooling anybody. If the Holy Spirit of God is not inside of you, don't go to hell for anybody. Get it settled today. If you have never had an experience a transaction. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. If you have never heard the word of the Lord, believed in your heart, and received it, then you're not saved. There is no deposit. In the Old Testament, when they applied the blood to the doorpost, the death angel what? Passed over. What's the blood on our doorpost? Of course, it's Jesus' blood, but what's the sign? Acts says that it was the Holy Spirit falling, cloven tongues of fire. I'm not asking you to get in here and bark like dogs. That's not the point. We all know that if the Holy Spirit's in there, we're going to be different. There's going to be a change. Hey, you see that property? You see that house? You see that little temple over there? <laughs> That's God's. I can tell. There's been some earnest money put down on that thing. I think he's going to come back and claim it.